Hey, I'm Dr. Kate Wong. And I'm Tierra Mitchell. And, and you are listening to, to the Holistic Hope Podcast. We invite you to join us and our village in conversations rooted in wellness and health so that we may grow a community of generational healing through love. On this episode, episode 17 of the Holistic Hope Podcast, Kate and I wanted to revisit what it means to surrender to divine timing. If you recall on season one of the podcast, we had a special guest, Makosi, who in her interview shared how with her birth story, the whole process was completely unexpected to what she had planned for her life, literally flipped her life upside down. But the way it unfolded could not have been planned any better she couldn't have planned it any better than how it actually happened and Makosi made a statement that I feel is a very powerful quote during that interview and she said thinking we have control over anything outside of how we approach reality is the cause of suffering and Since that interview, that quote has just really stuck with me so intently because it is so true. We cause ourselves suffering by worrying about the things we have no control over. And so when Kate and I were trying to decide how we could possibly cover surrendering in a way that could even come close to matching how Makosi talked about it, we were like birth. Birth is one of the key times in a woman's life she will have to accept surrendering to the process. No matter what she felt it may have looked like for her, what she wanted it to look like, birth is an experience that literally the only thing you can control is how you choose to respond. And so, Kate asked me to share my birth story and we felt it was just so fitting to talk about the power of surrendering to your divine timing. So for this episode, if you've been feeling frustrated, panicked, stressed out, overtired, we made this podcast for you. We made this podcast for those who are ready to surrender to their divine timing and accept that all things work together for their good, no matter how bad it looks in the moment. For those who are ready to claim their personal power and choose to respond to the situation presented to them rather than react on emotions. And for those who are prepared to sit in a bit of discomfort as they wait for the contractions to pass so that they can meet their beautiful creation once this is all done. Now, before we actually get into the podcast, I do want to point out when you're listening, this is such a beautiful metaphor for whatever it is you're birthing in your life, whether it be the birth of a new you, a you who is done with the stress, a you who is done with feeling depressed and anxious, a you who is done 
with feeling like they have no control over their health. Whether you're birthing an actual child or hoping to conceive a child and you're just having a little bit of a hard time in that process right now, whether you're birthing a new idea, a new business, a new project. The whole time you listen to this story, remember, even though things may not always go how you planned, as long as you choose to align to your original intention of what feels good to you, and you cut out all the noise, and you focus on the thing that your body is telling you, this feels good, you can get through it. Learn to trust yourself and trust that everything is working together for your good. Let's get to the podcast. I I was very irritated because I came on my due date. And so I just knew that because I came on my due date, like my due date was September 5th and I was born September 5th. I knew that my child was going to come on her due date. I don't know why I knew this, but I just knew this. And so September 3rd came, no baby. As a matter of fact, I was only a centimeter dilated and showing no signs of labor. So I'm like, okay, she'll come by this night. You know, in my head, I just know she's about to be here. Come my due date. I mean, come September 7th, her birthday. It was actually September 6th. Um, I've now gotten to the point where I'm realizing, okay, Tiara, you cannot decide when this child is gonna come. She's going to tell you when she's ready. You just need to listen to your body, right? And so I finally reached this point of just letting go of (laughs) how I felt she needed to come into this world. Mm -hmm. And the whole pregnancy, I would have a lot of um, Braxton Hicks or even sometimes just like premature contractions because I had this hernia and I had gotten used to the feeling of the Braxton Hicks. And what I exactly knew that it does it feel like for you with the Braxton Hicks? Braxton Hicks, they feel very, your stomach, my stomach would start contracting. It would get really tight and then it would release and then um, it would keep happening. So like a real contraction. Um, I actually got hooked up to the monitor at one point because I would have them so often. And it wasn't at one point. I got hooked up to the monitor three times to make sure I wasn't going into early labor. And I was, you could see the contractions on the screen. So your, your stomach gets really, really tight and then it just releases. Um, I know in like pregnancy books, they kind of describe them like menstrual cramps. Mm-hmm. They're not like menstrual cramps. Mm-mm. No, um, I understand why they say that, but no, it's like, there's nothing else I can think of. It's a contraction. Like your stomach is, it's like it's trying to squeeze something out. Interesting. Like come out beginning, like kind of effect of like prepping for that squeezing. Do you, did you see it happening? Yeah, you could see your stomach getting tight and everything and it gets rock hard, like rock hard <laughs> and then it releases. <laughs> so, um, and I have been having um since, five months pregnant because I had to leave work early mm. because what would happen is I would get them if I was just on my feet too long. But what we found out was while I would contract, my um, cervix wasn't changing. So I was safe because I wasn't actually showing signs of baby coming. Mm-hmm. And so 
um, the day I went into labor, mind you, at this point, I'm just like, whatever, she's going to come when she's going to come. And I think in my head, I felt like I was going to go like to 42 weeks or something like worst case scenario instantly came to me. So I was just prepared to carry this baby another two weeks. And, um, and just to let you know the state it took me to get from just releasing the my desired outcome, I ran away on my due date. Like, <laughs> like literally physically ran away? Or <laughs> when she did not come on her due date, I got in the car and I like to hike in the forest and I drove to the Redwoods and I went for a hike and I didn't tell anybody where I was. Huh. And I was in the woods, mad as fuck that my baby was not here. Like that's how, <laughs> that's how intense I was holding on to just knowing she's going to come on her due date. Mm. So for me to get to this place of, you know, she's going to come when she's going to come, it was a big shift for me. What made you choose like the forest to go to versus like the mall or something? It was my happy, the mall is in my happy place. (laughs) That's true. Because, you know, I'm so empathic that, and I pick up on a lot of people's energies and stuff. Mm-hmm. the forest it's quiet I feel in tune with nature I can feel the I feel like the air up there is a little better too mm-hmm. and it's peaceful to me and I, I feel like I can calm down and so I had to go to the forest I just had to and I made everybody mad because you know they're like Tiara it's your due date you can't be running away to the forest what if you went into the lake <laughs> the forest <laughs> then you're gonna be literally nature oriented like you know but without your village you know <laughs> yeah but that, that was me. That's me. So, um, so yeah, so we're walking around the mall, you know, so I'm like, whatever, we're going to go to the mall. My mom wanted to go to the mall and um, we went with my husband's aunt and we're just walking around. I start getting what I think are Braxton Hicks, you know, and I'm like, whatever, it's Braxton Hicks. They're going to go away as soon as I sit down. So, and by this point, I've learned to just kind of deal with the pain because, they had been happening since I was five months pregnant. And so um, I remember being on the phone with my best friend and he was checking on me because he knew my due date had passed. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Tiara, why are you breathing like that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, your breath, you you sound like you're really, really out of breath. And I'm like, well, yeah, Nicholas, I'm nine months pregnant and five feet nothing and I'm carrying a child. Of course I'm out of breath. And he's like, no, 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 no. I really need you to go get mom because he calls my mom, mom. And he's like, I need you to go get mom because I'm, I'm worried about you. And I'm like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. This baby isn't coming anytime soon. I just need to go sit down. So I, I do go get my mom because he wouldn't let it go. And I tell mommy, you know, what's going on. So she's like, well, let's go across the street and let's go get some food. So we go across the street to go get this food and I'm still having the contractions and I'm still thinking they're Braxton Hicks. And so my mom's like, you know what you want to eat? I get my plate. We're at a buffet and um, I try to sit down and I can't sit down. When I sit down, it starts to hurt really bad. So I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is new because usually I can sit down and the pain goes away. So I'm like, wait, yeah. I think I'm in labor, you know, like now I'm excited. I'm like, yes, these are labor contractions. And so I tell my mom and we start timing them. You know, I got my timer going. So I start timing them. 
And now they are getting more intense than anything I had felt with Braxton Hicks. And what that felt like was now, not only is my stomach contracting, contracting, but like my vagina feels like it's starting to be on fire every time I get a contraction. Hmm. And that wasn't something I would feel before. And so, you know, the books tell you, I can't remember what the numbers were because I haven't had a baby in four years, but there's a certain time you're looking for, like how a, a contraction, however many minutes that are like a minute long or something like that. So that's what I'm timing them for. I get to that point and the whole time, like it was getting real intense. I had to use a birth ball to sometimes I would sit on the ball. Sometimes I would lean over it and my aunt would massage my lower back and everything and it was definitely a process but I felt good you know like I was in pain but I felt good mm -hmm. and um the contractions get to the point that they're at that you know you're supposed to go in and so I'm excited because I'm like yes I've labored at home and I have to labor at home for let's see when the contractions started at the restaurant it was about 5 p.m it's like 4 35 because Kenny was getting off work. And um, then when I got to the house and I was contracting, we didn't go to the hospital to about 10.30 at night. Okay. So this time I'm like, you know, laboring at home. And um, I didn't take any Tylenol or anything like that. I wanted to be able to feel them so I could count them better, you know? Um, and I said, when I get to the hospital, I'll think about pain management there. But at home, I wanted to be aware of what was happening because it's my first baby. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and again, I wanted to control the situation. So I didn't want to take medication and not have that control. Yeah. So, so just, when you said being aware when it was happening, what were you aware of? Like the, the stuff that was going on in your body? Like what did it look like? That I felt again, like the contractions are really the biggest thing you're thinking about. But then, then I started to notice how Nick was telling me, you know, your breath. I don't think I paid attention to that at first mm -hmm. until I was at the house and I, then I started feeling like out of breath. So then I, you know, I had to tell myself, calm down, breathe deep, make sure you're getting nice, deep breaths. Um, and this is before I knew anything about meditating or breath work. So as a matter of fact, the only thing I knew about breath work was what we learned in going to prenatal classes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I did have to catch myself on that. Um, and then at this point, my hips weren't so bad, but there comes a point in labor where like you can kind of feel your pelvis is expanding to make room for this child to come through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it wasn't at that point. And I think I was, I had read that in the book, you know, I read about the ring of fire and all these things. So I'm trying to pay attention to these signs because in my head, since I've been contracting for so long and I've hit this magic point where they say, come into the hospital, I'm gonna get to the hospital. I'm gonna push this baby out. Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. We in the car, we get there to the hospital, I get checked out and I'm only, centimeters so I'm like bare minimum to get admitted to L&D and so now I'm upset again because I just knew <laughs> I just knew I was gonna get to the hospital and they were gonna be like oh my gosh this baby's coming right now we gotta get you 
to a room. But no, I'm only four centimeters. And now the contractions are getting really bad. Like now I'm understanding why people ask for epidurals and things because it's getting intense. Mind you, before going into labor, I wasn't able to sleep the, literally the two days before. So I had been up for almost 48 hours straight at this point. Mm, you must be so tired. Yeah. And for some reason, I just couldn't sleep. And um, I don't know if my body kind of knew she was coming. And so that was what it was. Mm-hmm. But I really couldn't sleep, like, no matter what I tried. And so so now, yeah, at this point, I've been contracting for, what, six, seven hours, maybe? And I'm tired, you know? So I think that was when, in my birth plan, I didn't want an epidural. Like, I specifically wrote it more so because I'm afraid of needles and I've heard horror stories about epidurals. So I was just like, and eh, we'll try other things. Let's not, let's skip the epidural. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, contracting in pain, can barely talk. I got to the point where when contraction would come, if someone was talking to me, I'm hmm, because just hearing somebody talk to me while I'm contracting would irritate the hell out of me. So just, hmm, let me, let me focus on getting through this real quick. Mm-hmm. And so a nurse comes in and she's like, I'm here to get you prepped for your epidural. So, you know, between contractions, I'm no, 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 I don't, I don't want an epidural. And she goes, oh, honey, you're not going to make it without an epidural. Instantly, like panic sets in Mm -hmm. because my support system just tells me I'm not going to make it without an epidural. And I'm already trying to psych myself into believing that I can make it without an epidural. Who was there with you at this point? It was my mom and my husband Mm -hmm. and the nurse. And there was another nurse who was like setting up the monitors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so I was really grateful for having communicated this, these things to my mom and my husband, because I did tell them, you know, no matter what, please don't let me give in to this epidural. Just don't, no matter how much I complain about it, remind me that I can make it without an epidural. Mm -hmm. And my mantra was, women have been doing this for thousands of years. Women have been doing this for thousands of years. And that's how I convinced myself I didn't need an epidural. Right? (laughs) Totally true. Like, how would I have done it without it? And you're right. There's so many different horror stories about epidurals. And it it does, like you said, mention um, from the previous episode, it does basically stop literally you from communicating to your brain that you need to contract it stops it and then it doesn't work <laughs> that was why i told them don't let me do it because i didn't want to experience and those were the horror stories that really made me be like mm, no it's okay i don't want to go through that mm-hmm. but and again i think that came from wanting to control my body like i wanted to feel in full control of my birth And so epidural just wasn't appealing to me for that reason. And so we kicked my mom and my husband kicked the nurse out. That's why I said I was so grateful for having communicated this. Cause like, if you don't know my mom, she's a firecracker. So she's pretty much cusses her out and is like, don't come back in here because we can't have you talking to her like that when she's trying to have a baby. And so The whole time I'm contracting though, I'm not knowing Madeline is sunny side up. So no one told me this like at my 40 week checkup. No one told me this when I first got admitted. Um, 
Uh, your third visit, um, when they, usually the visits at 36 weeks, did they tell you she was head down? Like, there was like... She was head, she was head down, but she was facing upward. So babies need to come out facing downward. And because that hook in their head, when they're facing upward, it gets caught in your pelvis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I, I can't remember when I learned that they knew that she was sunny side up before I did and just hadn't told me. Um, but I, like, I remember being frustrated that no one told me because then I felt like I would have understood the pain I was having a little more. Um, now, why I felt that, I don't know, because this was my first child. But because of this, my contractions are super duper intense. Like the nurse came in, another nurse came in and I did take fentanyl. I didn't go completely drug free. I used fentanyl in my IV, which allowed me to rest. Um, I went for as long as I could without it, but then it got to a point where I just wanted to sleep because, you know, I had been up for so long and I ended up falling asleep, um, head down like this with my butt in the air and it just felt good. I didn't know why, but that was the position I wanted to be in and I fell asleep just like that. And the nurse comes in and she's like, are you sure you don't want an epidural? because I'm looking at your chart and she showed me, she was like, your contractions are literally off the chart and look at, and you're not getting a break. Look at it compared to the other moms. And what she was saying was like, so my contractions are going high, it's like high, 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 high. And then I would get a short little break in between and it'd be right back high, high, high. The other moms, they would get contractions where they weren't going as high as mine, but when they were most intense, they would get really long breaks with maybe little shorter contractions in between for a while, and then they'd get the more intense contractions. That's interesting. My body is contract, 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 the yeah. whole way through. Because, I mean, they're expert at drugs in general, and so this is how they're comparing you in a sense. Like, hey, you're way high. They got it how come you don't want it? Because let's, let's make sure you're not in pain. That's just... That, and, I, and I wasn't. Now, I do think at this point, I have begun to accept it's going to hurt. Mm. You're having a baby. It's going to hurt. And that's what made me calm down a little. Because I, and I, like, I remember when she showed me the contractions, I had the thought of, am I playing Superwoman right now? Like, am I doing too much? can I go ahead and get this epidural? But then just as quick as I had that thought was like, well, that just shows me that I can do this. If I'm able to beast out these contractions without it, we're going to just keep beasting out these contractions. <laughs> it's like, you, you like, you're like, you kind of went the other side. It's like, well, if I'm like off the charts, I mean, I'm like dealing with this really well <laughs> compared to all the other people. Really well. And I will definitely say I had a divine moment in labor at that point because that was when I realized I am not in control of this situation. This baby is coming when she wants to come. She's clearly coming how she wants to come. My body is doing all kinds of things I was not prepared for. I read all the books, watched all the videos. Like I would obsess over labor and birth information so that I could feel prepared in the labor room and everything I had read and watched goes out the window. You know, it's like, I might as well have never read anything 
Mm. Um, and that. Yeah, and I even when I decided to lay down the way I did with my butt in the air, that was me following my body. That's what my body told me to do. And then later a doctor came in to check on me. And when she saw me laying like that, she was like, that's when I learned they knew she was sunny side up. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, that makes sense because her baby's sunny side up. Mm-hmm. So that's why it felt good because it took pressure off my pelvis. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that. I just did it because that's what I wanted to do. And when I was able to experience that I was able to fall asleep like that, it did empower me to just listen to my body, right? So I'm contracting like this and I end up using all my doses of fentanyl. At this point, I'm in labor for 16 hours. Yeah. And I've used up all my doses of fentanyl because you can only get a certain amount of doses. Um, And so they're asking me what I want to do. And I was like, I just want to have the baby. And so, like, and I remember kind of feeling defeated at this point, because I'm like, fuck, I'm about to get into this fucking epidural. We may have to bleep those out. I'm so sorry. I'm going to say it in a cleaner way. (laughs) They end up, I just leave it all in. (laughs) Okay. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm like, I'm going to give into this epidural because I can't keep going. I'm tired. You know, I don't, I don't even have energy to push at this point. So they measure me and I'm eight centimeters. So they say, okay, we're gonna come back in a couple of hours because then you should be ready to push by then. And I just remember thinking a couple of hours, how am I supposed to make it through a couple of hours? But as soon as the doctor leaves, I have an urge to push. And it's a strong urge to push. And so I, I, tell, I tell the nurse, I wanna push. No, 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 you can't push right now. You're only eight centimeters. And I was like, no you don't understand. I need to push right now. And she's like, no, we probably just have to poop. So I look over at my mom and she goes, baby, do what you got to do. So I start pushing and the nurse then walked out the room and everything and I'm pushing on the bed. Are you sitting, um, are you laying, what position are you in right now? I am laying down. So mm-hmm. for this birth, I was laying down. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we, if you we want, we can talk about Michaela's because Michaela's, I didn't lay down. But I think I learned from Madeline's birth that that wasn't a good position. Um, so, but I'm pushing and I'm pushing and I'm really just listening to my body at this point. Mm-hmm. And so my mom calls in the nurse and she's like, y'all better come in here. This girl is pushing and the way she's pushing, I don't want this baby to fall out onto the, the floor. And, uh, <laughs> and so they come and what, it may have been five, 10 minutes tops from them telling me I was eight to me push to them coming in cause I'm pushing and I'm at a 10. So I was pushing rightfully. So my body is now at a 10. It just jumped from eight to my cervix jumped from eight to 10. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're doing all this stuff to hurry up and prep thinking that the baby's about to come. Okay, I pushed for three hours. Mm, And her head was stuck on my pelvis. Mm -hmm. And I had very quiet nurses. I'm working, I'm it's like four in the morning at this point. And my nurses were real quiet, you know, low energy. And I hear them say, We're gonna prep her for an emergency C section. 
because baby's blood pressure is dropping and her oxygen's dropping because she's stuck and mom can't push her over her pelvis. So I hear emergency C-section and if I'm afraid of an epidural, imagine how afraid I am of an emergency C-section. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, there is no way my baby is going to be cut out of me. I need this baby to come through my vagina. I don't know why I felt that so intensely, but I did. And, but I also was at a place where I had kind of given up because everyone around me was just like, she can't do it. She can't push this baby over her pelvis. I remember thinking, what the hell does it mean to push something over your pelvis? Like I kept saying, what muscle is that? Like, tell me what part of my body does that? And they're like, you just need to push her over your pelvis. Interesting. Cause they don't even know in reality. It's like, cause they're laying face up. I mean, in general, but go ahead. Yeah. So frustrated. Right. And a nurse comes in, she was an African nurse. I will, I will never forget her spirit. She's African nurse. And she goes, Oh, you're only, you're already 10 centimeters and you've been pushing for four hours. Oh, we're about to have a birthday, baby. And (laughs) just her bright energy was like what I needed. Like, I remember being like, yeah, we're about to have a baby right now. She's like, girl, I'm about to go. Like she had to take care of some paperwork. I'm about to go do this. I'm going to be, before I go, let me rub you down. And she said, I got some special oil. And she took some kind of oil and she rubbed my my canal with it and everything and she was like this will help baby be more slippery so I'm like thank you kind stranger (laughs) and and I'm thinking in my head other nurses where where were you when this helped like where was the rub down three hours ago (laughs) and so she comes back and she's like okay this is what's happening I guess she studied my my contraction chart or whatever she's like this is what's happening when you get a contraction, you're gonna push on that contraction. You're gonna push hard. You're gonna give me everything you have. And I told her, I said, I'm tired. She said, I know, but you're gonna push and then I'm gonna bring you a really good breakfast. That's what I said, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but something about having her telling me, you got this, I know it's hard. But you got this, like Kate, when I say I could feel my body like, yeah, I got this, I got this. Mm-hmm. And even before I, I knew the feeling of my energy declining, like, oh, I don't think I can do this anymore, you know? And she was in there for 20 minutes, Madeline comes out. Mm-hmm. And I had to give a really, really hard push, but she came out, you know, and I didn't have to do the emergency C-section mm-hmm. or anything. They were actually like wiring me up to go to the OR and she stood there by me and was like push while they're prepping me for emergency C-section she's in her head she's like this woman is about to have this baby Mm -hmm. and I held on to that intention with her I'm about to have this baby and I just remember Kenny being in my ear while all this is going on and he's like push push you got this you got this your body's strong you got this you're gonna push her into this world you got this you got this and I got this nurse over here she's singing some African happy song and she's celebrating already like the baby is here and I just remember giving out like this really uh, and Madeline comes (laughs) it was over and just as quickly as she came out like I remember my mom asking me in the middle of me laboring, 
how many how many more kids are you gonna have and I held up the zero like this like we are never doing this again and <laughs> as quickly as she came out was as quickly as the pain went away and I remember saying that wasn't so bad I could do that again like as they're wiping me up you know <laughs> has the placenta come out at this point already too I think it may have been coming out while I'm thinking that wasn't so bad and I think though because because with Ma with Michaela my second baby I felt all of that like I felt the ring of fire and everything I didn't feel none of that with Madeline because of the position she was in it um it was just intense the whole entire way through like I had the same level of intensity since I got to the hospital mm -hmm. and so um well that was probably like another eight hours at the hospital and so by the time she was born, I felt numb. Like I couldn't feel anything from the waist down. So I think they just pulled my, I think I had a contraction and they pulled the placenta out because I, I didn't feel any of that. They stitched me up and everything and I didn't feel anything. Mm -hmm. But I think it was, that's how intense it was pushing her because of her position. Mm -hmm. That when she came out, everything just went numb. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so interesting when you, you mentioned like the, it's almost like there's two different sides when you're birthing her, like in the, like the midst of just about to, it's like the sign that was with you all this time was prepping you like, mm, I don't know if she can do it. I don't know if she can do it. You know, C-section is probably most likely the way. And sometimes you don't need to even know what they're thinking. You just feel that they're thinking that and you felt like defeated you felt all that's like what I'm hearing at least from where, what you told me right now um you're just feeling like oh okay I can't I can't I'm tired and then the other lady the other nurse came in and she's like I know this is gonna happen this is gonna happen now mm -hmm. we're, we're gonna do it together and that's it there's no other way there's no C, like there's no c-section anything like that that's just, and then you you chose you chose a side to be on yeah and there's a choice, right? Because a lot of times I hear like all these horror stories of, you know, this is the way to go. This is how it is. And this is, you know, the nurse said this and this and that. But the thing is, you listen to your body. You're aware of what was going on so much. Yes, you heard other people say certain things, but you're, you're still aware. You're like, no, this is not how I wanted it to be. Because you still have a value. You still want a certain way because you knew that was best for your baby. And so, and then you, you kind of chose the sign, the choice that you knew you could. And you kind of, kind of like, what is it called? Um, you rode that side to right. make it happen. And I feel like birth for me is such a great metaphor to just life. You know, because the whole entire way I had a choice. You know, when I first got to that hospital and the nurse told me I wasn't gonna make it without an epidural, I could have chose to go against my original intentions of not getting an epidural and giving in and just getting the epidural. But I, I had to continuously choose, no matter how hard or tough or frustrating or defeated I felt, I had to choose, like you're saying, to do what I felt was right and to tune everything else out. And I think like, you know, what you're saying, there was the side that was convincing me that I was defeated, that it wasn't gonna happen the way I wanted it to happen. And then that other nurse came in and she was like a beacon of hope 
for me. I think in that, you know, in that moment, I had become very still. And, you know, I was just kind of allowing things to happen. But when I heard her, her energy enter the room, because when I say it was an energy, like everything felt dark up until she came in there. Then it felt like, and I don't know, maybe they turned on lights, but usually they keep the lights dim because they don't want to shock the baby. <laughs> but it felt like all of a sudden it got brighter. It felt like all of a sudden I had energy I didn't know, but I never decided to side with the people who were saying I couldn't do it. The minute I had someone who was supporting the vision I wanted for me, I clung to that. Mm -hmm. And and that's why I say I feel like it's just such a great metaphor for life is because we always have those moments where you know you have a choice every step of the way and there always comes a time where especially when you're trying to up level or like break through old cycles or something there comes a time where you have to be very very still and just kind of allow the frustration and discomfort to wash over you for a moment so that you can get your grounding in and then you're like okay now what am I gonna do and for me, you know, in the birth, it was, like she said, I'm going to push this baby out. And, you know, while they're prepping and everything, as if we're going to have a C-section, we totally ignored them. And she said that, don't mind them. Look at me. Look at me. Mm -hmm. Think about your baby. Think about your baby. And I can honestly say that experience, I carried it with me into the rest of my life. And whenever I felt frustrated, whenever I feel like I have people kind of the naysayers telling me, you know, we, we can't do it this way. It's focus on the vision. You got this. You got this. Ignore, ignore all the other noise. You got this. You got this. And in a way, you know, it was still releasing the control of things because I had to understand I can't control what they think. I can't control what they feel is best. I, had, I can't even control how <laughs> this birth is going right now. All I can control is how I'm going to decide to respond to it all. And I decided to push with everything I had, you know, to the point to where I was numb afterwards. I didn't even have an epidural, but I was numb afterwards. The next day, I remember not being able to pull my feet over the bed. And I kept saying, I feel like I was hit by a truck. <laughs> but that, you know, that was the intensity I used to bring her into this world. And I had no regrets. I, I would do it all over again without the epidural every single time because I did it, you know, and that was all that mattered. I did it. My baby's healthy. We're here. And we had another one. <laughs> when you mentioned like that, that washing, like it's almost as if like the other side was like the fear based, the let, let you, you weren't able, you weren't wanting to have it engulf you. Because you could, you could have easily let it engulf you and say, okay, this is the C-section, like fear, intensity, all this happened. But when you, I feel like the nurse kind of opened you up to be out of fear. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're okay. Yeah. She kind of was like, you have this, you still have this option. You're right. You're absolutely right. Because when they said prep for emergency C-section, I tried, I was like, no, 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 no. And I tried to push, I tried to push. But and like they were standing at my bed, just kind of like, like holding their hands. They were holding their hands and just kind of watching me. 
this nurse was holding my feet and helping me or showing me how to hold my feet. Once she showed me how to hold my feet, I forgot about this part. <laughs> when I said I'm laughing because it was, it, my, everyone was so impressed by me doing this. But again, I just felt led, like my body told me to do it. I grabbed my feet and I literally pushed my knees up to my ears and I pushed her out like, that's how she came out. I went like this mm. with my feet and I really pushed forward. So it was like my whole body came together almost like a cr when you're doing a crunch and that's when she came out. Mm. You know, but her showing me how to hold my feet up, I was like, oh, I see, I see. You know, like I get what you're trying to get me to do. I got this. And like Kenny was trying to help me, bless his heart. He was really trying to help, but I hit his hands away because I was like, you're not holding my feet right. I'm going to do this. And I took my feet and I like my had by like the soles of my feet, pushed my knees up to my ears, and yeah, we're gonna get the baby out. But the nurse was kind of guiding me through my options. Like you can do this, you can do, or you can do it this way. We can push this baby out. And that's what you needed. It seems like that's what you needed. You needed the person to guide you what exactly to do, while the other team was just kind of letting you like be still and just kind of be yeah she was literally, you wanted the whole time it sounded like from the meeting when you started it you wanted to know which muscle you need to push over right <laughs> no one was telling you anything to do but just yeah. like stay there until you go to the c-section but this other nurse was like this is how you do it this this is how you do it and then she showed you and you're like oh okay and that's like the whole that's why I love the idea of home birth. It's like there's women that's been there that have been through all these different types of birth, either, you know, born through um, the legs coming out. Wait, actually, not legs because you can't do that in California. But in general, <laughs> whatever position the baby is in, they've seen it, right? They help a lot of people birth a certain way. It doesn't have to be head down. You know, things don't perfect, like project or um, come out perfectly all the time yeah. right but she showed you the way and you learned that way that's like the village of right that's what I was gonna say I think it's a, it was a powerful example of how you can choose to continue to because you know that was the labor team I was with the whole time I was there this new nurse came on the shift change mm -hmm. so you know you can choose to stay with the people you've been with the whole time, even though you haven't been seeing the results you want, or you can choose to allow yourself to be guided by someone who's willing to coach you through it. You know, and I think that even goes to speak to when you're going through either a, a spiritual awakening or up-leveling your business, becoming a mom, whatever it is, when you're feeling so frustrated and you're on the verge of defeat, that's when the wisdom kicks into, I need to choose the side that's going to support the way I see this happening, mm -hmm. not the side that's going to keep telling me I can't, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, definitely. This is such so powerful in general. Cause I mean, I never birthed anything <laughs> in general and just knowing that, you know, you they're- a beautiful business? 
<laughs> yeah, so it's not physically the same. <laughs> but that's why I love hearing these stories because when you know, have people around you to support you that knew the way and that know that you're capable. That's why I love being a chiropractor in regards to helping women in pregnancy, knowing that their body can do it once they have everything aligned just have everything easier, whether you're squatting, whether you're laying face up, whatever the position is that need to be at the moment, as long as the body is able to with nothing interfering with it, right? That's mm -hmm. like the magic. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that you choose, whether it's like hypnotherapy, whether, you know, whatever it is that you want to choose to help you. Because sometimes it goes all the window, like out the window in general, like you said. And sometimes your body knows what to do once you don't have that interference and just let it do what it's capable of doing. I think it's important to point out that you can be the interference. You know, you like, and I think that's why I want to keep stressing that I had to let go of the control of the control factor, because if I would have continued to try to control that situation, Hearing that my baby's losing oxygen, that my baby's stuck, that my baby is swallowing meconium, like all these things that are happening as a result of me being unable to push her, mm -hmm. I could have decided I need to control that my baby is going to be healthy. Let's go ahead and have this C-section, you know, but when I, in let going and letting go of that kind of control, you're forced to just trust you know, to have faith that everything is working out for your good, that everything was working out for my baby's good. And it was a very vulnerable position to be in, but it worked because I knew in my gut, nothing was wrong. You know, like I knew she was okay. I was honestly a little irritated by the monitors because I'm like, she's fine. <laughs> you know, like I can feel her, she's, she's fine. Um, but, I, and I, I don't know how else to describe the, just like the gut feeling of, I have to just keep pushing. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't know how to push this baby over my pelvis, it's going to happen. Because mm -hmm. you listen to your body and the, have mm -hmm. the support system. So since you had a second child, when you didn't think that you were going to have a second one, what did you recognize that was that you did differently or that you were aware differently since you've been through the first time? Like, what did you realize? You're like, hey, this is not what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do actually instead. I definitely wasn't stressed by the contractions. Like, I laughed a lot more in my second pregnancy. Um, and which is interesting because Michaela, my second baby, was actually in the perfect birthing position. So with her, things went fast. Like where I was in labor 16 hours with Madeline, I was only in labor for eight with like from start to finish. I labored at home for a while too. By myself, I asked my mom to take Madeline and my mom lives next door. So I asked my mom to take Madeline and I did squats um, because what I learned from the first pregnancy was how to work with the pain to get the baby to come. Mm -hmm. And I think that was such a big shift was because then I invited 
the pain that was inevitable. You know, you can't stop the contractions from happening. That was also something I heard about epidurals. You still feel the contractions. So I was like, what's the point of having an epidural if I'm still going to feel the contraction? Mm -hmm. So I learned to work with the pain more. Um, and I was also really good at understanding that I, I knew how to trust my body. You know, I didn't have to listen to what the nurses thought were best. And like now I kind of want to ask a lot of those nurses, have you ever had a child? You know, like it wasn't something I thought of, but I talked to my second, you know, my, on the second baby, I talked to my nurse about this. about so like, have you had a kid? What are your experiences with kids? And she was, she was awesome. Her name was Rhonda. I will never forget her. But, you know, and she was like, no, I admire you guys for having babies. I don't think I could ever have a baby because I've watched what it takes to have a baby. And I appreciate her honesty, but she was so encouraging. Like those contractions, because Michaela was coming so fast, those contractions were even more intense than my contractions with Madeline because um, my body was changing a lot faster. Madeline being sunny side up, it kind of slowed things down. But with Michaela, everything happened really fast. And I'd say the biggest difference with Madeline and Michaela was that I experienced the ring of fire that time around. And it scared me because I, for some reason, thought I was gonna die. <laughs> it, it was painful. And because I didn't experience it with my first baby, I thought something was wrong. And the nurse saw not mine, it was so sad. My nurse who had been with me the whole time I was laboring went on lunch when I pushed Michaela out. So she missed me pushing Michaela out. But um, when I looked over at the nurse, she I think she could see the panic in my face. And with Michaela, I learned not to push on my back. So I'm squatting and pushing. I'm literally sitting on top of the hospital bed in a squat position. And I have my hands on my knees. Um, kind of like in a twerking position yeah I was twerking on the hospital bed but um I was panicking and I looked over at her and I think she could see the panic and she was like it's okay it's the ring of fire which means if you give a good push your baby's gonna come I said oh and again once that panic went away it was like everything was so easy and I just I, I, I caught her when I pushed her out mm -hmm. because of the position I was in and it was, it was actually an easier birth because I, I accepted the pain this time, you know, and I just, I worked with it. Yeah, being aware of it, knowing that mm -hmm. it is what's going to happen versus like, oh my gosh, you know, a resisting. Yes, yes. And that concludes episode 17 of the Holistic Hope Podcast. With each episode, Kate and I want to give you, our listeners, a handy guide on how you can implement what was discussed in the podcast. Because our podcast is created in real-life experience style interviews, we don't always get around to an educational format, but we still want to make sure you're able to take the key pieces away from every episode so that you can implement it along your hopeful holistic journey. Episode 17's handy holistic guide is if you've been feeling frustrated, like things just aren't going your way, things aren't what you expected, you're not happy with the current situation you're in, 
If you're feeling panicked by all the things that are going on around you. If you feel stressed, overly stressed to where you're not sleeping, you may feel overtired, exhausted, just craving some rest. If you are ready to surrender to your divine timing, claim your personal power, and you're prepared to sit in just a little bit of discomfort as you patiently birth your beautiful creation. Try implementing these tips into your holistic wellness routine. Practice taking deep and mindful breaths. While taking intentional breaths, consider the possibilities. Consider the possibilities of what options are available to you in your current situation. Listen to and trust your body. If you're having a hard time connecting with understanding what your body is trying to communicate with you, go back to practicing breaths. Build strong support systems. People you trust to understand your vision and know the direction you're heading in. People you trust that you can tell, I'm struggling with this, do you have any suggestions? People you can trust to guide you and support you on your journey. Honor your guiding force, whether it be the small voice in the back of your head, whether it be driven by your faith practice, whether it be the small messages you find in your day-to-day. Connect to your inner knowing and learn to trust it. Release all expectations and learn to enjoy the journey. Laugh more, create more, flow more, take more time for yourself. Find the little things that can turn the most mundane experience into the most beautiful thing you've ever experienced. Remember what our friend Mikosi says, thinking we have control over anything outside of how we approach reality is the cause of suffering. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Holistic Hope Podcast. We truly hope you enjoyed the episode. Kate and I would like to extend an invitation for you all to join us online and continuing this week's conversation. You can check the show notes to find out where to find Kate and myself and the rest of the Holistic Hope cast. We look forward to connecting with you more as we all join together to have more conversations rooted in wellness and health so we can all grow a community of generational healing through love. Stay well, friends.